We say hallelujah. All glory be to thee. We're so thankful for the word of God. And for the spirit that leads us in understanding your will. As we fellowship in thy word today. We pray that the living presence of God would be upon us. And that you would build us up as we receive your word. We depend upon the Holy Spirit to make that divine transaction today. We praise thee and we thank thee. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'd like for us to turn this morning to Hebrews chapter 2. We'll read two passages in Hebrews. The first one begins in chapter 2. And verse 5. 
For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere, saying, What is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, and because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. And then we want to turn over to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll begin in the middle of a section at verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. 你们所忍受的是神管教你们,待你们如同待儿子。
Right now we are in a theme, overall theme on sonship. And I want to share a few messages over some course of time on sonship as seen in the letter to the Hebrews. Now many consider Hebrews a very difficult book. Uh, because it has many uh, uh, parts of information we need to know from the Old Testament regarding sacrifices, regarding priesthoods, and such like. And so for many Christians, Hebrews is one of the least read books in the New Testament. But its difficulty lies in more than just the information and the necessity of an Old Testament background. There's a spiritual power in this book that makes it difficult for Christians to read. This book is filled with strong exhortations and strong warnings. The writer himself says, I have written to you a strong exhortation. And this immediately tells us that this letter is meat for mature Christians. Great promises, great warnings. We don't like warnings. When we get some new electronic gadget, a new phone or whatever, we never read the warnings. You know, they have a whole booklet full of warnings. We don't read that. We just turn on the device and begin to use it. If Hebrews was full of promises, we would be reading it every day. But for every promise, there's a warning. And when we read the warnings, we say, uh-oh, I better turn the page. But when we go through and look at the book of Hebrews, through all of these exhortations and warnings, it may surprise you to know that the message of Hebrews is on sonship. We just took two of a number of passages in this letter that speak of sonship. How many of you like to know you're a son of God? Amen? Amen. Amen. How many of you like to know the Father is disciplining you because you're His Son? 你们有多少人愿意知道, 
that's not so popular. But it's very necessary in this matter of sonship. This is the burden of the writer who writes this letter. Because right now, you're in a crisis. It's because the Father is bringing many sons to glory. Now, we have been saved by grace. And we are being saved for glory. And this is the matter of sonship. And the writer says, in the middle of the book, we must press on to maturity. When you read the letter, you see that there are four great challenges in this matter of pressing up. The first challenge. We must come to a full confidence and conviction that Jesus is the full provision of God for us to reach sonship. The second challenge. To be a son, we must be obedient to the word of God when the Holy Spirit speaks Rhema to us. Today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your hearts. The third, our faith must gain strength and endurance until it substantiates hope. Now you know the book of Hebrews is famous for talking about faith. But did you know that the writer sees that faith and hope are on the same timeline? How does he define faith at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11? Faith is the substantiation of things hoped for. Faith believes. Hope endures. Because it knows what it believes. And the fourth matter of challenge in sonship. Is to keep a vision of our Lord before us in such a way. That we can enter in. To the Holy of Holies and fellowship and communion with Him. 
我们就没有在进入那至圣所跟那大祭司交通。And so these matters are brought before us。所以这些事情在我们的面前。Now before we look at the passage in Hebrews chapter 2,我们在看希伯来书第二章之前,we just need to look at this matter of the the distinction between sons and children。我们需要分别一下儿子跟儿女的不一样。now in the New Testament, originally in Greek, there are two distinct words. There's a Greek word technon that means a child. Literally, one just born. And then there's a second Greek word called huios that means son. Now, because a child is a son and a son is a child, sometimes these words are used interchangeably because it's speaking about our relationship to our father. But sometimes in the New Testament, a distinction is made between these two. The child is a child by birth. But a son is a child who has grown up and become mature. Now, I don't know about China, but here in the United States, there was a proud day for a father. Now I am I am no good with my hands building anything or making furniture. I'm no But I hope my brother Ray is a good carpenter. Now he has a son, Abraham. And if all things were as they usually are, the son trains his son how to be a carpenter. Um, and when the son becomes a good carpenter, then our brother puts a sign out on his shop, Father and Son Carpenter. Um, <laughs> Now he wouldn't put that sign up when Abraham was only two years old. Because all he could do was take a hammer and beat things up, but he wasn't a carpenter. But the father has pride when his son grows up. Now he takes part in the business. And so our Father in Heaven was so proud when He saw how Jesus grew up that He said, Look at my beloved Son. So often in the New Testament, this matter of sonship is spoken of us that we are adopted as sons. Now, do they use in Chinese the word adopted also? Because that's not, that's not really what it means. It means you've been placed as a son. 
Now this has to do with two things. Now in Roman society, you could take an orphan child and adopt them as your son. And when you did that, they became a full heir of all of your business and your inheritance. But to the Jews, this term placing of sons probably goes back according to Brother Lance Lambert to the Bar Mitzvah. Do you know that all the sons, the Jewish sons, go to a Bar Mitzvah? And what does Bar Mitzvah mean? Of course, the boys usually think it means lots of presents. Like Christmas, you know. But it means bar, son, mitzvah, law. And when a, a, a Jewish boy becomes a man, it's at his bar mitzvah. Now, now he must keep the laws, he must offer sacrifices, and he can get married at 13 years old. And he can sit in the synagogue with the men. Because he's now a son of the law. So there is this important matter of growing up as son. Now one other variation I just mentioned. Maybe you've noticed in the first letter of John. He speaks of spiritually growing up in three stages. Have you noticed that? The first stage is he mentions this in chapter two, verse. Um, 14 maybe he says my little children so he calls the Christians his little children they know two things because they're just children but they know their sins have been forgiven and they know their father isn't that wonderful when we're born again, Paul says, For out of our hearts comes a word to our mouth, and we say, Abba. Because we discovered that this God of the universe is our Father. But then John says, Now I also write to you, young men. Uh, oh, um, yeah, whatever. <laughs> these young men have grown up. How do you know? Two things. Because the word of God abides in them. Now you see, now you're becoming a son because the word of God abides in you. You overcame the evil one. Now you can fight the devil. 
When you were a little child, you hide from the devil. 当你是孩童的时候，你是逃避这个撒旦。I was a young man. You stand under the blood of Jesus. You stand in the word of God, and you rebuke the enemy.当你现在是少年了，你能够站在主耶稣的脚底下，你能够斥责这恶者。This is somebody growing up, right?这乃是一个成长的人。They're young men.他们是少年人。But then, of course, the third stage he mentions are fathers.啊，第三个阶段乃是父老啊。Now who are fathers?那谁是父老呢？Now fathers know. That they are sons. Because it says they know him who is from the beginning. Now you see, so there is this uh, impression in the New Testament that we begin as a child when we're born again. And then we're supposed to grow up into sons. And of course, this means male and female sons. This is not gender. But it's talking about responsibility, authority, maturity. Now, this letter to the Hebrews is, has a burden about sonship. Because these Jewish Christians are going through very difficult persecution. Now, because of this persecution, the reality of their faith was being tested. And the key was that they had to be growing up out of childishness into sonship. Now the writer says, when you first believe, even as just children, you faced persecution because you trusted your father. You loved your brothers. If someone is thrown in prison, you even went visited. They took away your house. You went and lived with some other brothers and sisters. Even as a child of faith, you stood your ground in persecution. But now the letter of Hebrews was written some generation after Jesus lived on this earth. And by this time, these Jewish Christians should be growing up into sonship. And so their beginning faith had need to mature and endure with a, a full confidence of hope. So but some were falling back. Now, when the persecution came, at the time this was written, and most Bible scholars believe it was before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Now, now you know that the first real persecution of Christians came after 64 AD when the Emperor Nero began to persecute Christians. 
And the persecution became quite strong. But if you were a Jewish Christian, if you just went back and said, I'm just a Jew, no more persecution. They were persecuting followers of Jesus, but not Jews. And so they could hide in their Jewishness. They could go to the temple, offer sacrifice. I'm a practicing Jew. No persecution. But if they stood up for Jesus, as their Messiah, as their life, they faced persecution. And so when persecution came, some were falling away. And the writer has to warn these dear saints. You are a saved child of God. But if you don't continue trusting in the Lord Jesus, you can forfeit your inheritance. Now for us as Christians, many of times we don't, nothing comes to our mind immediately when we hear you might forfeit your inheritance. But to the Jews, immediately there was a, a thought in their mind about their inheritance. And the writer in chapters 3 and 4 uses this illustration as a warning. Now, every Jew belonged to some tribe in Israel. And all the tribes had an inheritance in the promised land. If you were in the tribe of Dan, there was a certain territory in the promised land just for you. But you needed to trust God to get into the promised land to get your inheritance. So, my name is Dana. I'm from the tribe of Dan. And in the promised land, there's even a city that will be named Dan. Uh, That's my city. I'm playing on the word. But what happens? If I don't make it into the promised land. The land is still there. That was my land. But I was unfaithful. And so the writer says, the children of Israel wouldn't obey God's word and go into the promised land. And they lost their inheritance. Now a Jewish Christian they still thought in earthly terms. Now for us, we come from where? You come from China, you come from Germany, you come from Brazil. The Jew came from Israel. And Jews believe that when the Messiah came back, 
they would get their inheritance. Not only land, but spiritual inheritance. So I'm going to get the city of Dan. So this is what they hoped. But the writer was saying, no, no. Your inheritance is much more than just a piece of land. You have a spiritual inheritance. But you must be faithful to attain to that inheritance. When the Messiah comes, you have an inheritance in this land and in the new Jerusalem. But these Jewish Christians, because of unbelief, were losing their heavenly vision. Do you have heavenly vision? Do you understand why the writer said, Dear brethren, Partakers of a heavenly calling. When we hear the words of Jesus speaking in the gospel, he so often talks about the kingdom of heaven. Storing up your treasure in heaven. Because now as Christians, there's much more than just land and prosperity on this earth. There's an eternal inheritance. But God cannot give his inheritance to a child. He wants to give it to a son. But we need that heavenly vision of this inheritance to press us forward in faithfulness. Now, this is very relevant for Christians today. Many Christians are born again children of God. But they're not growing up. They remain babes. Now the enemy has done that. Over the centuries, he has he has switched the gospel. From a full gospel to a half gospel. Here's the half gospel. We are saved by grace through the blood of Jesus, and we become children of God. Now that's all many Christians know. Now they are saved. They believe and they know God their Father. But they're not growing up. Because they haven't heard the other half of the full gospel. Now what's the full gospel? We are saved by grace. And we are being saved for glory. That has to do with us coming into our full spiritual inheritance and sonship. 
这个属灵的产业是儿子的名分 When we are born again, we are born into the kingdom of heaven 当我们重生的时候我们乃是被生在神的天国我们 children of the kingdom我们乃是这个国度的儿女 But then the Holy Spirit begins to work on us in order that we might become faithful servants in His kingdom 那么圣灵就在我们身上工作，让我们成为一些忠心的仆人。Now what happens to a faithful servant in His kingdom？啊，那个忠心的仆人在这个国度里头会怎么样呢？When Jesus returns, what does He say？那个耶稣回来的时候，他会说什么呢？Good job, well done, good and faithful servant。那他说你你是忠心的的仆人。You were faithful in little things。哦，你在小事上忠心。Now you'll be faithful in much。那你现在在大事上也会忠心。Enter in to your inheritance.来进入你的产业。This is the goal of our present life.啊，这乃是我们如今生生命的的一个啊的目的。Sometimes the disciples asked him, Lord, we are sacrificing and following you. What's our inheritance?啊，那个门徒就问他说，啊，主啊，我们撇下一切来跟随你，我们的产业是什么呢？ Jesus says, If you follow me faithfully. Not only in this life will you have blessing, and persecution, and in the life to come, you will sit on a throne. We have a tremendous inheritance. Unfortunately, many Christians don't know that. And so they remain babes. Even though Jesus often spoke of kingdom rewards. And the Apostle Paul spoke of kingdom rewards. Does the fact of an inheritance motivate you? Paul says he's pressing on toward his goal. And his goal is a prize. Something gained. Of course, by the grace of God. But he grows and presses on toward his goal. Many Christians today say, Ah, never mind my inheritance. I'm such a modest Christian. I don't want inheritance. I'll be happy just to be in heaven. No, you won't. Because if you miss the reason you were born, you won't be happy. You were born into the kingdom with a purpose to inherit, and God's not satisfied. Neither will you be if you miss that mark. There's a famous verse in the Bible. It says it is appointed for men once to die, and after that, the judgment. Do you know where that comes from? The book of Hebrews. Chapter 9, verse 27. It's appointed to men once to die, and after this comes judgment. 
This is speaking, you read the next verse, it's speaking about Jesus. And the writer says Jesus came the first time to die for our sins. But he'll come the second time to sit as the righteous king. But the verse also has application to us. And this is why the writer of Hebrews is speaking such a strong word. We only have this lifetime to grow up, to serve in the kingdom, to learn faithfulness. Just one lifetime, and then comes judgment. We'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He will say, Good job, well done. Or he will say, I don't know you. Now you know this is true from the Word of God. And once again, it just underscores how important this matter of becoming a son is. We have this lifetime to get ready for his kingdom to come to become a son to become his bride. And when the Messiah comes, we will be rewarded. Now the writer of Hebrews wants these Jewish Christians to see Jesus, the Son. And his specific burden is for people to see Jesus as the Son of Man. If you know the book of Hebrews, actually Hebrews chapter 1, he shows the saints the Son of God. The writer stands under an open heaven. And he sees the Son of God sitting at their throne. At the right hand of the Father. He is the Son of God. The eternal Son. He's always been there. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Eternal threesome. He was there at creation. He is like God in essence. In his character, in his action, and when he had died to purge us of sin, he sat down as the Son of God at the right hand of the Father. Far above everything, and especially angels. Because in the first century AD, the Jews were worshiping angels. The writer says, Jesus, the Son of God, is far above the angels. They were created to worship Him. But the writer has seen a revelation. 
He must have been reading Psalm 8. We know in Hebrews chapter 2 he quotes from Psalm 8, David's Psalm. And this psalm is speaking about what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. You have made him a little lower than the angels. And then you have crowned him with glory and honor. And put him over the works of your hands. Now the writer was studying. And he said to himself, Who is that? And he realized it was Jesus. And so now he wants to share this revelation he has of Jesus, the Son of Man. Now this is an important point for us to know. Do you want to understand your sonship? If you look for it on your own, you can't find it. But if you see his sonship, you will see your sonship. So the writer wants to show those Jewish Christians Jesus, the Son of Man. And so before he quotes from Psalm 8, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5, he speaks about this quote. He says, For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. Hebrews 2 5. Now he's speaking about the age to come. Does that phrase mean anything to you? It's a famous Jewish phrase. You know how we talk about heaven? One day I'm going to heaven. The Jews speak of something different. They speak of the age to come or the world to come. Even today among Jews it's still a very popular phrase. They use it instead of heaven. Now why do they use it instead of heaven? Because their vision of perfection is when the Messiah comes to this earth and the earth knows peace and righteousness and long life. Where there is judgment and there is healing. And people live to be hundreds of years old. It's the best human life on earth can be. Now, even liberal Jews today when they talk about what they see of their hope, they talk about this age to come. Well, there'll be worldwide peace. You hear them often speaking of this. 
Angels will not be ruling the earth. What's he referring to? Right now, the devil is the prince over this earth. But in the age to come, who's going to rule the earth? The Son of Man is to rule in the age to come. Uh, now, what do we usually call the, the age to come? The millennium. The millennium kingdom. Who's going to rule during that time? The Son of Man. So he goes on here in. Chapter 2, verse 7. Now you made the Son of Man a little lower than the angels, but you have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. And you have put all things in subjection under his feet. Ah, the Son of Man will rule in the age to come. Now we need to pause. What does this phrase Son of Man mean? Now we're looking at sonship. What is Son of Man? Now to the Hebrews it means three things. Number one, Son of Man is a way of saying man. You can see it here in Psalm 8. In Hebrew parallel, he says, What is man that you think about him and the son of man that you care? So man and son of man are equated in a parallel poetry. In Hebrew, the word son of man is ben, meaning son, Adam. Son of Adam. All mankind. Ben means son. And Adam means man. Adam Now wait a minute. Is all mankind going to rule in the age to come? But there's a second meaning for son of man. It means man according to God's purpose. Not just a flesh and blood man. But a man the way he's supposed to be. 
As Adam was before he sinned. Adam was meant to rule over this earth. But he forfeited it because of sin. So there's a third meaning for son of man. We start from the broad, we get down to the narrow. And to the Jews by the time of Jesus. Son of man meant the Messiah. The Messiah is the Son of Man. He will rule in the age to come. And so uh, we see that the, the Son of Man was called in Jesus' day the Messiah. But of course, we understand it still in a deeper way. Because, because Jesus came as the Son of Man. Uh, you notice at the end of verse 8, the writer says, Now in subjecting all things to Him, He left nothing that's not subject to Him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to Him. So here's what the writer is saying. The Son of Man is to rule over all things on the earth. But it hasn't happened yet. We don't see it yet. Mankind has fallen short of its destiny. Because of sin. Man doesn't rule over the earth. Women are even maybe afraid of a little mouse. Or maybe a spider. You're supposed to rule over spiders. Say, get back in the corner. But we don't rule. As a matter of fact, we're in bondage. Because of sin. The writer scans the earth, he doesn't see any man. Even the great emperors are still in bondage. But David in his prophecy is looking back to God's original intention for Adam. He's taking us all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And what did God say? He said, God blessed Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over everything upon the earth. This was what Every man and woman was destined to be. But you see, because of sin, we're hardly in this place of authority and ruling. But God has been preparing for the age to come. He raised up Abraham. Israel created a family. Through David created a kingdom. But there was no man who could rule 
over everything on earth. But we see Jesus. Do you see Jesus? And he here the writer is trying to help these Jewish Christians see Jesus as a man. As a son of man. As the last Adam. He was made a little lower than the angels. In two ways. One, we are lower than the angels. Angels were created without bodies. They're not limited to this earth. We're not even as smart as the angels, but we're lower than the angels. But God wants to crown man. With glory and honor. But it couldn't happen until Jesus was made lower than the angels. For the suffering of death. Unless Jesus died for all men. Then no other man could live. In the age to come. But it says, by the grace of God, he tasted death for everyone. And now he is crowned with glory and honor. Why? Because he's the first man to be a man. Not only saved, but glorious. He is crowned with glory and honor, and he rules in the age to come. He sits upon his throne. Oh, what a wonderful gospel this is. Because he tasted death for every man. But then we see a most amazing thing. Because now the writer wants to bring in all of these Jewish Christians. He, he surprises them, I think. Because they thought of themselves as sons of the Father in the kingdom. But they had no idea that their destiny was glory. But listen to Hebrews 2, verse 10. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things. This is speaking of the Father. In, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. Jesus walked upon this earth as a perfect man. Even when he walked upon this earth before he went to the cross, you saw he already had was ruling over land and sea. He calmed the storm. He healed the sick. He sinless son. He was God's beloved son. But there was one thing 
that enabled him to be the perfect son of man. 可是有一件事情让他做一个是完全的神的儿子。You understand Jesus on his earth was a sinless son of man, but he wasn't perfect yet. 主耶稣在世上是一个完全的人子,可是他还没有成全。Because we are perfected when we achieve our destiny. 当我们达到我们的目标的时候,我们才是成全。If Jesus had just been a sinless man and gone up to heaven, he would not have fulfilled his destiny. His destiny was to bring many sons to glory by suffering and death. And when Jesus did that, he became the perfect and glorified Son of Man. 他就成為了一個榮成全,他就做了一個完全榮耀的人子。Perfect because he died. 他是完全因為他死了。And he opened the gate to bring many sons to glory. 他就打開了門,讓許多的眾子可以進入榮耀。That in the age to come. 在那將來的世界,not just Jesus reigning on the earth. But all sons who have come unto glory reigning with him. Now the Jewish Christians have one advantage over us. Because we tend to think about going to heaven. And eternity. But the Jews were very concerned for the millennium. Why? Because God, when He created earth and man, created it to be an expression of God's love. But this earth has gone crazy with sin and bondage. But world history has its highest moment yet to come. And it's the moment that Jesus comes back to this earth and reigns for a thousand years. Now I hope you are looking forward to that time. We were born for that time. We're being prepared for that. The writer is saying, Don't you see God is dealing with you as son? And you and I are being perfected through suffering. It's not that God's punishing you. He's getting you ready for the millennium. Do you know what it's like to live in the millennium? Lion lays down with the lamb. The little children run around safely. Righteousness is rewarded throughout the land. Good deeds are done through Jesus' government. His sons will be given power and authority to rule with love over this earth. 
他的儿子就有这样爱的权柄在管权地。I want to be here.我希望在那个地方。I want to see a good school.我我希望有一个好的学校。Would it be great if we had the Millennium High School? Your kid going to Millennium High School—that would be a good.我真是希望有一个千年国度的高中，你的孩子也许可以上。And you would have a job in the Millennium.你可以在千年国度里有一个工作。Eight hours a day.呃，一天八小时。All the Trump's bonuses. And when you're through, you're not tired. You have time to worship. Enjoy your large family. Everything is beautiful. In the age to come. It's coming soon. Are we ready for it? God's not getting you ready just to go to heaven. You've got a thousand years. Now listen, I'm 73 years old. I'm looking forward to being a thousand and seventy-three years old. And I'll be in better shape than I am now. There's millennium vitamins. Better than Chinese formulas. Oh, listen, the age to come is a wonderful time. And the writer is saying, you are sons. Getting ready for the millennium. So have faith. Endure your temptations. So in this world, you and I are going through problems. God can use every one of those problems for good. transforms you into the likeness of His Son. I don't know what we're like as sons. But we shall be sons in the Son. All the glory will go to Him. But we get to sit in His throne with Him. This is sonship. This is what the Lord's training us for. Faith. Obedience, perseverance. We have much more to say in Hebrews, but I want you to see. Look up to heaven and see. The first man has made it, and that's the guarantee that we're going to make it to. 我们在希伯来书里面，我们看到这第一个人他成就了这事，那我们也要能够成就这事。Right now, the Lord is bringing many sons to glory. 现在主要带许多子进入荣耀。and let's pray that we can be faithful. Ready for the millennium. Let's have a few prayers.
speaking to us. May our heart truly hear your calling. And Lord, we, are, we don't want to remain the best. We want to be, uh, truly we want to be diligent. And Lord, we know all the things you orchestra to discipline us. So good, we are your son. Therefore, you discipline us. We have no complaint. We know only in Christ, Christ in us, the glorious hope. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
主要你带领我们也带领我们大家是我们众人能今天长出身量真的承受你的产业最终成为今天不配今天不白白今天来到你面前的人主我们感谢你愿你随时给我们的帮助在我们以后的光阴当中你引导我们主我们感谢你是我